Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Last week we saw the account of the transfiguration of the Lord on Mount Tabor. It was a moment of great luminosity. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. I think it was Mark who added, like, there's no bleach on earth that could make anything so, so white, so brilliant. We know how the experience of the apostles going up that Mount Tabor started difficult, but they ended up with that marvelous experience of Jesus, so luminous and so wonderfully appealing. Peter was so happy, he wanted to make some tents, he wanted to go camping, he wanted just to stay there, right? It was as though they had arrived at their definitive home. They felt at home, they felt comfortable in the light of that radiance. Because his divinity shone forth so clearly. And there they could see Moses and Elijah, that which they loved so much, the law, and the prophets that had helped them throughout their whole life. It was the whole meaning of the people of Israel, the law and the prophets. And now they saw Moses there with Jesus speaking to him. And Elijah. Everything that was so important to them. They realized that that trek up the mountain, that difficult trek, all the sweat and the difficulty and the hardship was worthwhile. If we apply this to our life, the worthwhile moments, the good times that we had in our life, the good moments we had here in the center. We no doubt think of family life. We think of the good people that we've interacted with, those who loved us, who continue to love us, who care about us. The experience of all that good humor, the funny skits, the birthday celebrations, it all kind of creates within us a whole series of images when we look back on them and it really makes us feel at home. We laugh and probably in the get-togethers we remember, remember that time when so-and-so did this skit? Or we hear about the experiences that people have had doing the work itself and we look back on it with, with yeah, positive esteem. One of the great uh, originators of silent films in whenever it was, the 1930s or whenever it was, 1920s, was Groucho Marx. And uh, he really was a pioneer in making people laugh in front of those films. 
just like Charlie Chaplin. And Groucho Marx, which is really, he's really like the originator of comedic films, he would say that in order to be happy, you have to have good humor and bad memory. <laughs> bad memory. And of course, you have to have good humor. But I don't know if I agree with this bad memory thing. I don't know. We do have to have good humor, that's for sure. But we have to have good memory. But maybe we should say a selectively good memory. Like select the good things of our life, of our vocation. We had, well, let's say we, we have to have good memory for some things and bad memories for other things. Like bad memory, not bad memories. <laughs> bad memory, we just can't remember the bad things. What is it that we often forget in our life? We often forget the good things. We often forget the favors people did for us. The formation we received from our parents and even we sometimes even forget the formation we get in the work. We think it's all our brilliance that led us to be the way we are. We've all received good things from friends, from family, in the work. But we often forget that we have received these things. But the bad things, they somehow manage to linger in our memory. If somebody said something bad for us, to us, or maybe we received a fraternal correction or something that stung, and it stays there, and we remember it. Or maybe we suffered some kind of injustice. Or maybe at one point in, in the work, uh, we, somebody didn't help us in something. And maybe that person helped us a lot before, but in this case, they didn't help us. And maybe this saddens us. It becomes like a bad memory. It makes us unhappy. And maybe there's a, the, the added element sometimes that, that makes it worse is that it is when we feel victims of an injustice of some kind. And in fact, it's true. Injustices in life do happen. And in fact, sometimes it can be that we are victims of some injustice. But other times, not so much. There are things that happen to us that are not good, that are bad, that we remember, but they're not really injustices. It's not necessarily an injustice that you have a problem that a machine breaks down. It's not an injustice that you, for whatever reason, suffer a health problem, or at least most of the time, suffering some form of health issue is usually not an injustice as such. It's not an injustice somebody can't help you. They, maybe they say, I'm sorry, I'd like to help you, but I just, look, right now I just can't. I'm, I, I just I don't have the time right now. I, I can't give you what you're asking. And we're asking them that they do a favor for us. And we're asking, and we somehow fear that this is an injustice, but it's a favor. It's, you know, we cannot claim a right to a favor. And it could happen that the memory of not having received that favor lingers with us and poisons us and affects us, affects the tone, maybe because we feel somehow entitled to it. And indeed, it is not an injustice that God may permit certain things in our life that make you suffer. 
that you might not understand. Why, God, did you allow this to, to happen to me? Why did God permit this? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say, well, God permitted this because, well, this means that you, this is going to happen and this, and, you know, like, like an architect who figures out why this cornerstone is that place and, you know, he figures out all the, you know, the crazy complex blueprint of why things are the way they are. Why does God permit this? I don't know. I don't know. And in life, for us, to be happy, we need a good memory good selective memory we have to remember the good things remember the good moments that we had in family life and seek to contribute in family life so that there be more of those moments how happy you must feel even though you probably don't always know it but I think you end up figuring it out how happy you must feel behind the oohs and the ahs that you might hear at the dinner table. Uh, even at our dinner table. When people come in and it's spaghetti and people, oh, ah, or the, it's the whatever they like, you know. Because how they feel loved when someone has prepared such a meal for them and left everything in such absolute perfect order and and uh, it's amazing that we can't even smell the meal until we actually get in there you know <laughs> you know we can hear it sometimes you know we can hear the people already going in and uh, you're talking to somebody oh i better let you go i better let you go <laughs> and we say thanks bye you know and how good and loved they feel when they put on their clean clothes that smells good they feel loved and if they were to describe their experience at Ernstcliff I am sure that they they were to describe their experience to a friend or to a potential resident I am sure they would begin with the food maybe second in place would be how clean their clothes became how the environment was always clean. I, I mean, I, I've had the experience showing a, a person around and the person's kind of gawking around looking like there was something weird and they're looking around and I'm kind of saying, so, uh, this place is really clean. This, I've, nev I've never seen such a clean place. And we say, yeah, we, we try hard, yes. <laughs> we do our best. <laughs> no, we always say, always oh, the administration that does this, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we explain it, you know. And then they, you know, they nod very approvingly. And the boys that live here, they develop very high standards for themselves and for others. They start to learn how to put things away. They, and they learn to give importance to little things. And amazingly, not in an obsessive way. They start understanding that when you put things away, that you put things in their place, when you put things ordered, keep things neat and all that stuff, that this has a tremendous impact. That is, it contributes to the well-being of others in some way. And they desire that. That's because we all learn 
from the good things in life. And from the bad things, because there are bad things that happen in life, we learn lessons. We learn that perennial lesson not to stumble twice over the same stone, the same place, falling into the same trap, which is very characteristic of human beings. We generally tend to do that. Now, when the apostles were in front of Jesus transfigured, they were just, they were just amazed. And he did that because he was preparing them for the cross, for the agony of the cross, for the complete horror of what they were going to witness. He was preparing them for that. At that moment, when G Peter saw Jesus transfigured, he was so happy. But he was not only happy for that very moment for the kind of delirium that he was exp experiencing at that moment, that happiness would later be remembered in the future. He would go back to that when he saw the Lord being, you know, just torn apart in the flagellation, or when he would have seen the Lord with the crown of thorns. He would have thought back. It was a good memory for him to return to. He would remember these moments of the transfiguration when he stood there in front of the cross or when he saw the cross or indeed when he saw Pilate condemn him. He would remember, okay, this is happening, but I saw the proof. He would see the cross and he would remember that he had many reasons to confide in him. He had reasons, like when he saw those miracles happen when he saw the widow's son being raised, when he saw those luminous moments when the Lord just attracted so many crowds and healed so many people, all those were signs of his divinity and his power. It helped him then and later when he fell into that doubt in front of the cross. But strangely enough, that moment of the transfiguration somehow didn't help him when he was tempted to deny Jesus when he was asked if he was one of his followers. And as we know, he ended up denying him. It was a terrible moment. It was not good for the others as well when they fled. It was as though the moment of light of the transfiguration did not, it would seem, strengthen his faith or the faith of the apostles. Except John. But later on, after the resurrection, there's no doubt that he remembered it all. I'm sure that on that holy Thursday night, Peter wept bitterly, bitterly for what he had done, for his betrayal. But he repented. He repented. And for him to repent, he'd have to look at the good moments with Jesus. Though he denied Christ, he, we know, he eventually died as a martyr for Christ in Rome. So the people that come here also, the girls even that come here, we pray for that, that they make Ernstlift, they make Lincroft a selective part of their memories of life. The good memories, which you, with your work, are contributing to. The selective memories where they felt loved. They felt loved by the people that were here. 
by the friends they made, by the people you know, just taking care of Prince but even by those who they didn't actually get to meet. Just as they love that specific food that their mother prepared, that specific kind of plate that they remember from their childhood, and they think, well, there's nobody who can prepare as, uh, you know, lasagna like my mother. Right? Well, here, something like that happens, you know. Like the Filipinos, they like certain kinds of dishes, you know, the pecadillo dish or whatever it's called, the picadillo, I don't know what it's called. And they, they love that. I guess because their mother prepared it. But they hear there's all kinds of dishes that they're going to love too, that they want to remember. What is the lesson that we learn from all this? Well, we will always experience some level of obscurity or moments of obscurity in our life. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. There will be those moments that we can't avoid it. It's part of life. It's part of life. And we have to take responsibility for these moments. We have to assume them into our life, integrate them into our life. It's part of life to have illnesses. It's part of life. Or to have hardships or some form of difficulty. And maybe a misunderstanding with others in our relationships. We just don't get along with certain people. It's part of life. Maybe it's hard to, to work with certain people. It's just, just like hard to live with some people. We, we cannot dramatize this too much. We just have to think, well, that's part of life. And it's not an injustice. And the Lord wants to teach us, as he did the apostles, that there are reasons, that there are reasons for everything, but we don't always understand. When the apostles saw Christ on the cross, even there, they didn't understand. Even though the Lord was behind it, they were ready to not understand. And uh, even if it sometimes may seem like you're abandoned, like the apostles must have felt, you are not. You don't know why some things happen. You don't know why. But God, in his providence, knows it. God permits certain things. So it's good to go back to this sense of good memory so that the bad moments... In those moments, which we will remember inevitably, we actually turn and go to the good moments so that we get a, a better, cohesive understanding of our life through the lens of vocation, through the lens of God's providence, through the lens of true meaning, the purifying meaning of those moments. We ask our Blessed Mother to give us good memory for those good moments. And all of us, depending on our age, we have had sweet moments, wonderful moments, when it really seems so evident that God loved us. We feel sometimes like a baby in her mother's arms. And of course, the Lord gave us these moments so that we should enjoy them. He gave us good meals so that we should enjoy them. Good food. But also 
so that we should always remember him in our darker moments, in more, our more difficult moments. So when we don't understand, we, we can say that. I don't know why, but I know there's a purpose behind this. There's a meaning. I trust you, Lord. We say that precisely in the moment of darkness, of hardship, of pain. We can't just say that when all's going well, when, we, when we're having a, a kind of like a ball. You know? But we remember him when we have a moment of darkness, or, or for that matter, when somebody else is experiencing that, and we don't quite understand. We can't like, exactly connect with them. Why, Lord? I don't know, but I trust you. That's a very important task that we have to transmit uh, to others by our work, by the way we sort of elevate the, the small things of life. We elevate them in a way that expresses our trust for God. That has to be somehow the message we transmit in the way we live and the way we speak. I don't know why this happened, but I trust you. Now, at the end of that theophany, that mystical moment of unique light that left them all like pretty much flat on the ground, the apostles, they were basically passed out. What does the Lord then say? He says, get up. Do not be afraid. Don't just stay there. Get up. We have to get moving now. Don't tell anybody. Just get up. Let's go. Let's walk down this mountain. And this is what the Lord is saying to us too now. Get up from that position of pain, that, that pain that has been left with you and that you're kind of like in a face-down position, prostrate. Now is the time to get up. When you don't feel like working, when you don't feel like doing that, that duty that you have to do when you're kind of anxious or very tired and there's so many things to do still or you're experiencing some annoying moment get up the Holy Spirit is saying to us with the Lord some people you know they're in pain and, and even pain is so bad that they would rather have death and pain is often a preparation for death for many, pain leaves them like totally flat on the ground. They can't move. If we priests, and I would say, you know, anybody in the work, if we are not ready to face pain when it arrives, if we're not ready to be happy even when we suffer, well, then we have failed. We're just total failures. If we're only happy when things go well and uh, it's great and uh, good food and, uh, and we're unhappy when things go bad, I mean, we've failed. If we ourselves don't really know how to prepare or help others through their darknesses, if we don't know how to encourage others, it's probably because we ourselves are not prepared. You know, you have, I'm sure you have girls that come here that, that complain about something. Maybe it's 
from our point of view, not that serious, or it's kind of, you know, just not that bad. But, but we have to know how to encourage them. We have to give them meaning. We can't just fix the thing itself. We have to help them live with it. Because it's the moment when you're like on the ground and when you feel like you're practically crucified, that's the moment when the Lord tells us, get up. I have not abandoned you. I have not parked you in long-term parking at the airport so you just sit there. I have not let you go. I have not let go of your hand. I am with you. Get up. Don't despair, he tells us. Though you don't understand, there's always a reason. We have to be able to transmit that to others. You know? And we always remember that the time of our life here on earth is always limited. You know, it's, it's good to remember that when we're weighed down. Teresa Vabula said, uh, life is, uh, she said in Spanish, mala noche en una mala posada, which means uh, it's a bad night in a bad inn. You know, which, okay, yeah, a bad night in a bad inn, but, but we have to make it a good night. And she certainly knew what it was like to have a bad time in life. She had a lot of contradictions, a lot of setbacks, as did our father, too. But despite the hardships that our father experienced, I don't think we see him as this gloomy, um, sort of complaining type of dark personality. He wasn't like that at all. He was a kind of a fighter, somebody very magnanimous, and what is also important in all this, just as your work in the administration has a profound impact on others, when you do it with love, when you prepare things well, and part of the impact is that you're not seen, and then you go hide and disappear, that's part of the beauty of it. In the same way, think of the effect that you have on others when you yourself experience some form of pain mm -hmm. people they see that they see the example that you give when you embrace suffering and you stay happy imagine for some it will be your actions your reactions that could be the moment of conversion for them, you know, just at seeing how you react to pain. And I think that's what happened to Father Joe. People saw him there stuck in that wheelchair, unable to speak, unable to express himself. And yet, he couldn't even, in some way, even express his joy. <laughs> he was limited in that sense, but people could tell. He was happy. He was abandoned. That, just that in, uh, in and of itself, had the impact of converting souls, moved people. They would say, I want that. Because everybody knows that they could be there too. They could have the exact same thing. So we ask our Blessed Mother, give me good memory for the good that you have done in me. For all the good things that you do in me, even if my temptation is to forget all those good things. Good memory, good memory for ourselves. And then implement that mission that you have to contribute 
to the good memories of others. And then it's like you're sticking like a, it's like you're contributing to the bank account of others. Others have these empty bank accounts, no money in the bank accounts of their emotional and spiritual life, and you're making deposits every time you prepare your food, every time you clean that laundry, every time they come into their room and they smell, it smells good and it's, it's clean. Somebody has cleaned it with love. That's like a major bank account deposit. And they are enriched. I can tell you they're definitely enriched when they come in for supper. Definitely. It strengthens them. And of course we remember the Blessed Mother. She was at the foot of the cross. She knew this had a purpose and she trusted her son. So ask her to intercede for us so that we have good memory for the good and let this integrate into our purpose. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.